0: Hello and welcome back to the Harper Hoops podcast. This is episode 81. We are slowly nearing on 100 episodes, which is exciting. I'm your host, Liam Horsley, and as always I'm joined by my co-host, it's Ben Jones. How you doing, buddy?
1: Hello there. Yeah, i doing very well. Thank you. How are you?
0: bit sad. bit sad due to uh, a sport that is not uh, basketball, um, which I'm looking forward to a little basketball chat to make me feel better. I'm... Uh, I'm, today I'm glad that I'm a multi-sport fan, it's always nice to distract yourself when your uh, your team loses in a big game like last night.
1: Yeah, no, it was a tough one, but it puts us in a, a great position going forward to next year for the World Cup, eh?
0: Yeah, and there's a reason why basketball teams don't have a free-throw shootout to end games, uh, because it is annoying <laughs> and random, but there we go, That is uh, that is life. So, plan for today's pod. We're going to go through a little bit of news, because we've actually got some some NBA news for once, which is quite exciting. Uh, and then we're going to go purely on some uh, some finals chat, talk about last night's game, uh, talk about the series overall, talk about game one and two, and then uh, a little bit of a preview for Wednesday night's game four. But let's kick it off with news, Ben. Uh, starting off with the Orlando Magic. Uh, a team very, very popular, actually, funny enough, in the, in the UK. They have hired Jamal Mosley, former Mavs assistant, as their head coach. Apparently, it's a four-year deal, which is quite interesting. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Mosley is a, a very, very good defensive coach. Uh, he's also a player development coach. He's known as one of the best ones in the league. Um, a lot of the stars in the NBA absolutely love him. Uh, yeah, Damian Lillard, JJ Reddick, PJ Tucker, Luka Doncic, all those sort of players were tweeting their congratulations. They, they all seem to love him. Uh, and he basically worked one-on-one with Luca during his first two years uh, to help his defense and uh, to help some of his pick-and-roll offense. So he's a he's a very good coach. I thought the Mavs should hire him, but they went uh, another way. Uh, and now the Magic get mostly. So what are your thoughts on this hire, Ben?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really great hire because obviously the Magic have got a young, up-and-coming team now that they they've traded, Bogdanovic and and got rid of those guys. and they managed to get some picks, so they're going to have some even more. Young players coming through, that they've got some raw talent on this team, that's for sure. And hopefully this is the guy that's going to kind of harness it and, and take them from strength to strength. Um, my question to put to you, though, is because all I've heard about him is, is great things, especially out of the Mavericks camp. Why would they pass him up and go with a Jason Kidd rather than keep this embedded guy who's got the respect of the players? who by all accounts is an incredible coach? What's the change there?
0: It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, honest answer is not sure. Well, the honest answer is I'm not sure that their reasons would be good reasons. So I think I would have liked to see Mosley give a go. But um, from what people on the No Dunks podcast have said, the Athletic NBA pod have said, uh, it's just a case of the who the Mavs are, really, trying to always get high-profile guys to try and entice free agents in. Uh, the idea that a star head coach could work with a star player, uh, star point guard coach, star point guard on the team, a little bit like Steve Nash, basically. Uh, and Mark Cuban has actually referenced what the Nets did with Nash three times now in three different interviews, That so they see that as the way to go, uh, to have a more talisman kind of head coach uh, who knows the league, is friends with star players, can entice people in, has played the game. Uh, And then the assistants around him are the ones that are going to have the more X and O knowledge. Uh, And it does seem like Mosley fell out a little bit with a few people at the Mavs, which then meant that there was no chance he was going to stay on as assistant. And then when you get an offer to be a head coach, obviously, that's way better, isn't it, than than being an assistant coach So you're going to leave. But yeah, I think it's more profile. Uh, It's more the type of coach they want. They want to move away from X's and O's guy like Carlisle to more of a kind of a star leader in Jason Kidd. Yeah. Um, but I probably would have hired Mosley. So I'm not saying that's the right thing. But I think their thinking is we need free agents here. We need stars. We need to kind of um, build a team around Luca and hope that Jason Kidd can keep improving him on a one to one basis. Sure. Um, but I do think that if it goes badly, they could be in trouble because Luca loves Mosley. He did not tweet out when Rick Carlisle got a new job, he did not tweet out or do any questions about Jason Kidd. But the minute, Mosley got a job. He's straight on to uh, he's straight onto Instagram. He's straight onto Instagram Live. He's straight onto Twitter. Just doing a, a post all about Mosley. That's how much he loves him. So, I think it's a risky move if it doesn't work out, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think it's more of a, a name recognition sort of star potential thing. Um, and then they're going to try and get assistant coaches around him. Um, but that's good news for the Magic. They get a coach that's known for uh, kind of developing young players. Uh, would you say that a key to this hire for them will be giving him time? You know, so not doing this kind of, I guess, Pelicans thing or Pacers thing or it's one year rebuild that they need to give this guy time to work with these young players? Or or I guess what's the point of hiring a, a coach that's good with young players if you only give him one season, you know?
1: I completely agree. Whatever contract they have given him, they need to see it out for X amount of years because he's not going to have his time to develop them if he's one and done. Yeah. These are great, young, talented players, but they're not going to continue improving if you don't have that consistent coach that's there to to bring them on, especially when it is his speciality. And the Magic aren't kind of in that position of, say, the Pelicans or the Hawks, where that young talent is so good that you can build around it now and as he develops, push your team on further the Magic Mm -hmm. still are missing pieces and still aren't that coherent unit that those teams could be quite easily or currently are. So they definitely just take the losses that are going to come next season with this young core and watch them improve. I mean, teams have got to build through the draft eventually and, and build on their young talent and build on that at some point. So You've started committing to it. You need to fully commit to that now and have this coach bring on these young players.
0: Yeah, I completely, completely agree with everything you said there. Um, they got a good core with obviously Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury, Cole Anthony and uh, Michael Fultz in the backcourt, Mo Bamba, someone that people still believe in. Uh, they got the fifth pick and the eighth pick, haven't they, I think, in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. so um, just a big chance for them to, to rebuild, so good luck to Mosley, he seems like a really good guy and to, to finish this little bit off, I actually worked with a Magic fan, a guy called Chris, so I asked him for his opinion, he, he he knows a lot about the NBA, he's more of an old school NBA fan due to his age but he does know quite a lot and reads quite a lot on The Athletic, so he said that he is uh, very happy with the Mosley hire, he wanted Kenny Atkinson, who we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, but Mosley was the second favourite uh, option. He likes the fact that he's good with young players, seeing as the roster's so young. But again, like we just said, he used the words, by I the front office give him enough time to actually do his job, which is something yeah. that we've said. Uh, and then finally ends it out with, I also like the fact that we've hired an African-American coach uh, and we're proving to be a franchise that is a bit more inclusive than others in the league. So I think that's great thing to say i think again we've got another african-american head coach in the league there's not many of them now but the more we get the, the more fair the league is and i think it will be more inclusive and you never know there's still a chance we could get our first uh, female head coach with the pelicans still no head coach there they could hire Weatherspoon or i guess becky hammond the wizards as well those two names would be mentioned with a couple of others for those guys so we could see uh our first female head coach as well which would be nice but I think good, good work by Mosley. Um, Wizards and Pelicans, only two left uh, jobs left now on the market. Whenever they come up and they're filled, we'll, we'll do a little segment on those guys as well. But they both seem to be aiming towards assistants, similar to the Magic. They're going to go with high-level assistants that maybe haven't had a chance yet. So whether we'll know much about them or not, we'll, we'll, we'll see who they pick. Um, but let's move on from head coaches then, talk about an assistant coaching change. So the Warriors have hired uh, Kenny Atkinson, who we just mentioned, Uh, former Brooklyn Nets coach, someone who led them to a good record, very good in the bubble with that kind of B squad that Ben loves so much Um, back in Orlando. Uh, What are your thoughts on this one then? He's going to be Steve Kerr's lead assistant on the Warriors.
1: Sounds great. I I don't really see a big downside to it. Um, That Warriors team is fantastic, especially that hopefully they'll be back at full strength next season. Um, Kenny Atkinson is a is a great coach and can only, I think, is going to only going to help them and Steve Kerr pushed to back up to sort of championship standard as a team. So I think it's great work from them, to be honest. Who was it before? Was it Mike Brown?
0: Previously, yeah. And then they had another guy um, that I can't remember who, but he's he's joining, there's someone in between, uh, and he's joining another staff, one of the new coaches. I've forgotten who it was now, but they kind of had like two assistants rather than one lead. Yeah, apparently they're going to go fully in with one lead now, um, paying a bit more money than the usual assistants and and have him as like a true assistant head coach, basically, which I think is quite good. Uh, And he's actually a coach, isn't he, for the Clippers. So the Clippers are losing him and Chauncey Billups in the same cycle, which is interesting because I know that uh, that Ty Lue relies on both of those guys quite a lot. So I find it interesting that they haven't managed to keep him as like lead assistant. Now Billups left and they've let him go to, I guess, a Western Conference rival. Um, but I'm sure there's some sort of relationship there between Kerr and Atkinson that, that kind of make it happen. But what do you think you'll bring to the team? Do you think you'll just bring kind of more X's and O's, um, a little bit more experience, and well, you never know. Even potentially some more uh, some more defense.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, this season has been particularly heavy on screen and roll for carry to open for a three. Um, and next season, they're going to have more weapons and, and more ways they can utilize these players. But you can only do that if you have the plans there to put that into action. So I, I think he's going to be I think Steve Kerr is a great coach. We've seen that. But I think his best asset or fast asset is he's a great man manager, much like Ty Lu has been for the Cavs and now for the Clippers. He's great with those personalities and those stars and making sure everybody's in the right frame of mind and the place to play at the pinnacle of this sport and of their career. Um, And the guys behind the scenes have helped him in the kind of the more, like you said, the X and O parts and, and helping him with that kind of side of the coaching. So I think a more sort of... The single assistant coach, that more unified view, I think can only be a benefit rather than having two points of view sort of skewing it slightly. That one point of view is definitely going to help them. So I I think this is going to be a great hiring going forward.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of actually leads us nicely onto our last bit of news because Mike Brown, who we just spoke about there, he's staying with the Warriors uh, for now, apparently. Um, Associate head coach, so still up there, but he's not going to be that lead assistant X's and O's that the actor's going to be. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is uh, he is the head coach of the Nigerian basketball team, which is our last kind of nugget of news. So Mike Brown's with them uh, means he's going to be away all summer. So it gives us a chance for current and Axton to help develop game plans and some roster development whilst Mike Brown's away with the, the national team. Uh, and speaking of that national team, Ben, they beat the uh, U.S. men's team, which uh, I think was a little bit shocking. I think they were 28.5 favourites, which means if you bet on them with the spread, uh, not, you would start as mi- you'd have minus 28 points basically if you were betting on USA uh, and they lost 90 to 87 I think this is on Saturday it was in an exhibition game in Las Vegas where they had to obviously bring the three-point lines into Olympic level uh, they used a couple of refs apparently that are going to be at the Olympics as well just to kind of get that real life feeling which is quite interesting but Nigeria won I think they hit 23s uh, including six threes from uh, uh, a slightly more unknown Miami Heat player in Gabe Vincent uh, they had another couple of Miami Heat players as well, including precious Chua. I think they had eight overall uh, NBA players, even though some of them are more G League guys, on their roster. So their team is growing, but they really should not uh, be beating this team, Ben. So what are your thoughts, I guess, on this on this friendly? Is it just a, a, a random loss due to a new team, or is it something more to be worried about for, for USA?
1: It is a weird one, isn't it? Very, very strange. Um I don't think it's anything the U.S. need to be massively concerned about. It, it, for a country like Nigeria, this is the biggest game they're going to play all year. In a way, you know, and they'll be dining out on the fact they beat the USA men's team for months. When yeah. the USA are putting that gold medal around their neck, like they're still going to be going. Well, we beat you. <laughs> I mean, it's a massive thing to do. I, don't get me wrong; there, It's an incredible achievement. But does it mean much going forward in terms of the bigger picture in the Olympics? I'm not convinced. You look at the sort of time each player had on the court. Um, Kevin Durant had the most minutes at 28, but nobody's really kind of stretched themselves. And and I don't know, it's not been the 100% team that, you know, they've played everybody on the roster essentially in this game and they're still working things out together. I don't think it's anything if you're a Team America fan, not the film, <laughs> the basketball team, then I don't think it's anything to be majorly worried about.
0: Which you are a fan of both,
1: I may add. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I agree. What do you think about... Um, I'm not going to take too much from the game. Just, It's just incredible for Nigeria. Their basketball team is so much better now than it was 10 years ago. I heard Greg Popovich saying... Saying about how good it is now and what a great country it is and how many NBA players they bring over and I think it's just a, amazing for them. But from a USA point of view, obviously looking forward to the Olympics, which we will be doing a preview of uh, in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll kind of review the big games as well. As I wear my Slovenia jersey for three weeks straight, um, this United States starting lineup. Then they went with uh, Lillard and Beal backcourt. Tatum and uh, Durant as their forwards, they went with Bam, which is actually not what I thought would happen, they went with Bam as their starting centre, but he only played 17 minutes, Draymond Green actually played more minutes at centre with uh, nearly 20 minutes off the bench, do you think that would be their starting five? Because I don't think they're going to play a matchup game. Like they're so much better than every other team, I don't think they're going to change that team, I think they're going to find a rotation they think works and then maybe foul trouble is it is just what it is if that happens then they have to change it but do you think this starting five will be the one going forward or do you think that Draymond Green could get the nod
1: i think unless something changes in the warm up games going forward and they find something about bam that they don't particularly like over sort of draymond i think that is going to be your starting lineup if you look at it on paper bam is that big athletic defensive anchor and The other four are just offensive juggernauts. And I think that's the way they're going to set up. They'll try defensively to funnel everything into Bam. um, And offensively, these guys can shoot and drive the rim and Bam's just going to be there mopping up any misses that might occur. Um, And then it'll just be rotating from there, giving guys rest where they can, bringing Draymond in for Bam or or Kevin Love. um, And giving these stars a rest when when they've got those massive leads. Um, But yeah, I think that is going to be the best lineup going forward.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of scoring on there. Bradley Beal was pretty bad with two points in 25 minutes, which I find a little bit strange, but um, we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting summer. I'd like to see how many photos there are of Damon Lillard talking to different players and how many fans are going to lose their mind over Damon Lillard spending time with their favourite player just having a coffee or something at the Olympic Village, and they're all going to be saying that it's tampering, which I, I find quite funny. But... Uh, we'll see they're still firm favorites to uh to win the gold medal um but let's move on now then move on for some news talk about our our nba finals ben uh so Suns are currently 2-1 up there's been three games since we recorded our preview uh i'd say i don't know if any of them are great games to be honest um i think there's been some great performances by the individual teams but maybe no one standout game but let's start with the most recent game from last night, the Bucks won 120 to 100 at home, the first finals game in the arena. Um, obviously a 20 point victory. I think Giannis was something like 41 points again. Uh, he's only one of eight players of all time to have two 40 plus point games in the uh, NBA finals in one series. So that's a very impressive feat. What did you make of this uh, this win by Milwaukee?
1: It's great. It was needed for this series, I think. Um, yeah. And needed for Giannis as an individual, especially after the previous game and his team not really contributing. Uh, this was the game that he needed from the rest of his guys. Drew Holiday pouring in 21 points and nine assists. Chris Middleton shooting a lot better, 18 points, seven and six. Um, even Brook Lopez got up into double figures on his scoring um, with 11. Uh, Bobby Portis had a great game as well. But that's the Bucks we've seen all season. This is what people expect from them now, and to get a twenty point win is incredible coming back from go well, going down to uh, to an o on the road for me it didn't look great like yeah right the last game was quite close, and you most of your team had a poor shooting night, but mentally how difficult is that of a hole to kind of come out from if you're the buck especially with the Suns having played so well in the previous two games they've got to be thinking we could end this here we've got a, a, a hold on this series and we could really drive it home but um, some poorer shooting from the Suns as well Booker had a, a bit of a quiet night there, 21% from the field, which is not like him at all. The combination of of him not shooting well and the rest of the Bucks shooting well is what really turned this game three round.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting. Uh, I know the Suns couldn't really hit much at all last night, but the Bucks really haven't had in the whole playoffs. They have not shot well from three. Something in the in the regular season they do quite well, but all their numbers are down. I think they they barely shot above thirty one percent for the whole playoffs from three as a total. Um, so to win a game by twenty points, a shows you how bad the Suns shot, but b shows you that how good they are at getting their dunks, layups and, and getting to the free-throw line. Uh, but I do think, overall, they need to improve that three-point percentage. But I do think it was a strong performance. Like I said, Giannis, 41-13, I think that was impressive. Uh, I think Drew Holiday st- still a little bit passive at times, but 21-9-5, uh, and five, so that's a much better stat line compared to Games 1 and 2. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be a, a positive for them. Uh, Bobby Portis is getting minutes off the bench, and I know we don't like them to, to rest players too much, and they are doing the the yarn is 38-minute kind of max again, but I guess that doesn't matter if you win a game. Uh, but Bobby Porter's got 18 minutes off the bench, played relatively well. well. I'm not sure long-term how that'll work. Jeff Teague, 14 minutes. He's kind of took over Bryn Forbes's minutes. He's dropped down now to four minutes. So obviously, they're unhappy with Forbes and gone with that kind of lead board handler role from Teague, which I quite like. Um, but, yeah, I'm just interested to see how they move forward with their minutes. But I think this was quite a strong game. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about Chris Middleton when we preview game four, I think. But uh, 18.7 and 6 for him, not incredible and not very efficient, um, which is a little bit of a worry. But from a son's point of view, obviously, like we said, really bad shooting in in game three. Do you think that's kind of all it was? Uh, Or do you think maybe their defence as well took a little bit of a step back? Because they were getting dominated for me inside quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, Giannis got to the line 17 times in this game. Crazy. Shot 13 from 17 as well, 76%. Not too bad. And that, by the way,
0: by the way, he's like 80% right free throw shooter on his second free throw in the playoffs. So when he takes two free throws, he's like 80% on his second one and he's like 12.5% on his first one. It's random. I do not understand yeah. the man's free throw shooting. He's a uh, he's a unicorn at the line. I'll we'll say that. Carry he to,
1: on, <laughs> he has to get his eye in on that first one. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um. Yeah, we all knew Giannis. That's Giannis' game. He's great at getting inside. He's got that spin move when he gets a bit of ahead of team. He had a real nice Euro step last night as well. But he can also just bully people in the post. He's just a big monster of a guy. And it, it does rely a lot on what the rest of his team's doing. And I think the Suns have played him well so far, even though he did score... 41 in the last game. I think the key for the Suns is taking away those other players. They played really, really tough defense on Chris Middleton. And I think that showed over the past two games where he's not shot particularly well, which, like you said, they kind of took a slight step back or lost a bit of energy in this one. And Chris Middleton's managed to have a better game. It definitely shows. Uh, I also think, because we haven't had this for a year, I remember us talking about it last year, how are we going to replicate home court? That Buck Stadium is mad. It's so loud. I mean, the Suns' stadium was incredible as well. But I mean, this support for their home team is is brilliant, and that's definitely going to put you off as as a Suns player coming into that finals atmosphere uh, in that in that arena.
0: Yeah, I think you've seen this in both. Well, the home games for the Suns and the home game, one home game for the the Bucks. I think you're right. I think. It's, it's not overlooked, I don't think, home court advantage. But I think with the bubble, uh, with reduced fans, I think it was less of a focus. But I think we're really seeing it now, aren't we? Uh, and I think the Mavs Clippers series didn't help with the all the away games <laughs> being uh, won by the away team. But I think this series has proven that home court advantage is definitely a real thing. I think Giannis loves playing at home as well, doesn't he? In front of those fans. Uh, you saw how hyped he was, which was I thought was quite cool. Um, but yeah, good from Giannis again. The, the other players, maybe not as good, but I think couple of minutes off the bench from, from key guys were were really important. But uh, let's rewind then to game one and two, because we haven't spoken about those. And I don't think it'd be fair to, to ignore the two games that the Suns are incredible for. So uh, game one was 118-105 to the, to the Suns. Uh, and game two was 118-108. And that was with another huge, Giannis performance. So to be honest, watching both games, they felt like bigger wins than they were. Uh, it did feel a little bit blowout-y, to be honest. Uh, and I think it's interesting that the Suns scored 118 twice because it looks quite funny on Google. But overall, <laughs> the Suns are really, really good. Uh, I think Chris Paul was absolutely incredible. Uh, Devin Booker, much better at home, wasn't he, than he was in those away games. Uh, and Mikel Bridges, a little bit of a star of the show as well.
1: Yeah, they they they've played really well, particularly in that first game for Bridges uh, and for Aiton. They've been yeah, true. great, consistent, um, took a little bit of a eight a- and took a bit of a different game too but played really well in this current one they just i said it last last week on on the pod that they play great team basketball they've got those inside outside and mid-range threats it's just can they all click on the same night it seems to be because I think they need that even amount of scoring it seems to be from everybody from everywhere uh and they need 20 plus from Booker if they're not getting that, they're not getting the wins. But, I mean, he's been incredible. He's hit some crazy shots. He's for a young guy, he's really, really stepped up and played so, so well in this intense atmosphere. Um, But it does help when you've got someone like Chris Paul. love him or hate him for what he does on the court. And, you know, he is an incredible player and I think he's the on-court leader any team wants at this point in time. So, with his assists in terms of on the court and off the court, yeah. they've been playing well.
0: Yeah, I think he scored 32 points in game one. Um, Chris Paul, 32, no, sorry, yeah, 32 in game one. I think it was like 23 maybe in game two. Uh, obviously, nine assists as well in game one. So, yeah, he's been key throughout the whole time, to be honest. I think defensively, he's taken a little bit of a step back this season. Uh, Age wise, but I think offensively he looks as as good as ever. But um, in terms of surprise performances, then we've got a couple more we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, so I wanted to mention Cam Johnson. Uh, a, because he's scoring quite well off the bench, his efficiency is very good, especially from open three pointers. But for anyone who hasn't seen it, he did a hell of a dunk uh, last night on PJ Tucker, and it's an absolute monster, monster finish. Uh, I, I Honestly, everyone should go watch it. Have you seen it, mate?
1: Yeah. What a dunk that is.
0: Yeah, um... I know. He's. Chuck is a beast as well. I know he's not tall. Well, he's tall, but he's not massively tall for a basketball player. But he's strong as an ox. And yeah, Cam Johnson, uh, absolutely obliterated him.
1: Crotch to the face.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. a uh, It was definitely a, a crotch to the face for sure. Uh, any other players you think are worthy talking about in this series? I think Tory Craig off the bench is another player who's going to get 16 minutes per game. Uh, obviously, he's an x buck as well. They traded him for cash, so he's got a bit of a vendetta. So do you think players of that are going to matter or do you think it's going to be purely
1: about star power going forward for the rest of the series? Um, I think they're all going to have their role to play, especially with the uh, the uh Suns being a little bit short in the kind of bigs position at the moment with all the injuries they've had. People are going to have to step in and step up and maybe play a little bit out of their comfort zone, especially defensively. 'Cause the Bucs are so big as a team. Yeah. Um the Bucks could use this to their advantage, maybe play go a bit old school and play Lopez and Giannis just like right by the basket and back people down and play big. But you don't know.
0: No, it's difficult there's so many different ways they can win and lose these series these two teams they're very even I think uh, with a lot of ways to a lot of ways to win but uh, before we look to game four then just a quick word again on Giannis um just with that injury to be honest Ben uh the hyper extension of the knee looks really bad no structural damage but the replay is absolutely minging. to be honest it it didn't look like he was going to be able to come back at all let alone in what was it like eight days time or maybe six days time something crazy like that but a uh, hell of a performance from him in this series so far. If they have any chance of winning, he's going to have more 35-plus point nights with 15-plus rebounds. That's just going to be the way they win games. But uh, just a word from you about how much you think he's developed in terms of playoff basketball uh, and how impressive it is for him to play with that that weird knee injury that he got.
1: Yeah, so strange. He seems to have come back as good as new. He says yeah. it's no pain whatsoever. Uh, Which is mad,
0: mad when you watch that video of it.
1: It's atrocious. The video is sickening. But um, I believe him at this point, the way he's playing. uh, I think he is aware of what he can do now. And he's confident in his abilities. And he knows that he doesn't necessarily have to have that outside game as long as what he does inside is effective and to a point. I think last year and the year before in the playoffs, he's just going for that spin move inside and everybody knows it and that's why they were building that wall and as he spins, that he spins into another defender. Whereas now I feel like he's better in the post, the three-point shot is better and he's happy to take it. Um, but what I think's improved the most is that knowing when to pass and when to just take it on yourself because he's got better teammates around him, more consistent teammates around him than he's ever had. And he's using them really well. It's just the first two games, it wasn't falling for them. And it, like you said earlier, in this playoffs, yeah. it's not really been falling for the buck, but he's still able to go to them. And, it, you know, if if they could all get firing on all cylinders all at the same time, the, the Suns can be in some real trouble.
0: Yeah, I completely completely agree. And that leads us nicely actually onto, onto Game 4. We'll end this little segment with a prediction on who we think is going to win Game 4 and why. But let's just talk about the the idea of the game in, in general first. Uh, so the game is Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning, 2 a.m. our time, so it's another late one. But I think every game is 2 a.m. tip. So if you're staying up for them, you are committed to 5 a.m. bedtime before work. So... Good luck with that, but uh, the game obviously still in Milwaukee before they go back to Phoenix for for Sunday's game or Saturday's game, technically. Uh, I guess Ben, for me, let's start with a couple of keys for each team for trying to win. We'll start with the Bucks, since they're the home team. Uh, first key for me, Chris Middleton, uh, a player we've loved, a player we've hated, a player we've I don't know, not thought much of at times, but. He has been key to them winning big games. He's had, what, 22.4 quarter in the playoffs, had an 18.4 quarter in the playoffs, had a game-winner against the Heat. He's had overtimes where he scored the majority of the points. But unfortunately, this series, for me, he has not played very well. Um, I think he got 18 points in game three, uh, not very efficiently at all. Uh, let's just check his game two. So game two was 11 points again. Obviously, if you getting 11 points, he's not shooting well. Not shooting well from three at all. Not shooting well from the line either when he's got there throughout the whole playoffs, to be honest, for his numbers. Do you think he's a, he's a kind of a, a player that has to perform better if they want to try and pinch another game and take it to 2-2 two, two to tie?
1: 100%. He, he... Well, he is down as this second star on this team. And we have said, as good as he is, because he's very good, he's very good. We're still not massively sold on him being that second star Um and the rate that he has to grow into a series, it's kind of playing into what we're saying. Yeah. He's not ready to deal with the defensive pressure, the mental pressure that comes with these big moments that a second star on a team should be able to do. Uh Without him scoring, I mean... He scored what he scored last night, 19. I mean, that's, for me, it's got to be a minimum at this point. But it's going to be for him, the way he's been playing. So he definitely needs to be helping out more and scoring more. And, and just being another threat to kind of spread the floor to give Giannis that room inside.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So overall... um, What's his total? So overall, in the, in the per-game stats, he's on 19.3 points in this series, um, which is not incredible. His three-point percentage is 3.6, with his field goal percentage being uh, 41. Uh, obviously, he's a 41% three-point shooter normally, so he's decreased in that. His shot attempts have gone down as well, which kind of proves our point that he's not as aggressive. And I think when Drew Holiday has games where he's not shooting the ball, I think the team are really over rely on Giannis a little bit too much. Um, and I know he is their second start, and he is, but if you actually look at the numbers, when it comes to the fourth quarter, they had so many issues with Giannis over the past two playoffs that Chris Millerton does a lot of shooting in the fourth quarter. He is kind of their scorer in the clutch because Giannis can't really shoot the three ball. Uh, and I think if he's your main scorer shooter in the clutch... I think he has to play a lot better than he is. Um, for me, I think that's one of the reasons why they win game three because they've got a huge lead. The defense is good. They're getting points from everywhere. They're getting to the line very well. But in a close game, Middleton's going to take more shots than Giannis in the fourth, just because of the the nature of how he plays. Uh, and I think he's going to be he's going to be absolutely crucial for them. So I think mean, he, he's one. Uh, and then again, the other one we'll, we'll talk about the third star. I know Brook Lopez is one that people like to talk about, but let's just carry on with the the, the Bucks with Drew Holiday. He is averaging 16 points in the series, so not too bad. But obviously, they traded a lot of picks for him. They've given him an absolute huge deal. Um, Not shooting amazingly well from from three. I think he's on 35% from three, 80% from the line. Do you think Drew Holiday needs to shoot the ball a little bit more, or do you think you're quite happy with his role and maybe that the three-point shots will just come eventually?
1: It it could come more. I mean, for me, he needs to be making sure that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are slowed down as much as possible because he is their marquee defender and Chris Middleton needs to be hitting more of those open shots and being more aggressive himself, Uh, especially, like you said, in that fourth quarter. Um, But if the ball comes to him and he's in a great position to shoot, he does need to be shooting it because Youngs needs help, wherever that's going to come from. Um, And if you're not shooting it then there's no chance it's going to go in so he definitely needs to I think continue on the path that he's currently on I wouldn't say he needs to do more offensively necessarily but he needs to keep shooting and that percentage needs to come up a little bit
0: yeah I think that's fair I think his defense has been great as well which yeah. does help I think you see him switch on to Booker and he gets hot and he slows him down to a point, which is always always important. Uh, let's look at it from the Sun's side. Also there the away team here. Chance to go three one up, um, and take the game back to Phoenix with a chance to clinch the NBA title. Um, or a chance to go two two and kind of follow, I guess, the series how it should go technically with the with the home court advantage. Uh why don't you give us a couple of players that you think are gonna be key uh for, for trying to win game four?
1: From the Suns point of view, you gotta start with Booker. He's got to shoot better, and I think he will. I think he'll. I feel like this was kind of a, a one-off game because he's been consistent in the playoffs so far. Uh, he seems to have a odd game here and there. He had it in the Lakers series where his percentages dropped, or teams maybe have figured him out, and they'll make adjustments and they'll get him open again, and he'll start hitting his shots. He just needs to stay aggressive and keep Milwaukee on the back foot um, whether that's shooting whether that's sort of taking people off the dribble he's a really talented player and he needs to kind of pull all the tricks back.
0: Yeah yeah I think I know Chris Paul is their best player and most people do see him as that but I think Devin Booker in terms of star power he has that ability to go off 40 points quite regularly um, so I do agree that he's going to be crucial, especially a game on the road where you need someone to go off and, and score a load of points. I think that's going to be key. Um, another player I'll mention then whilst we're on the Suns, I think Aiden will be key just because I think that they uh, the Bucks got inside too much in Game 3. They They're at the line too many times, they had too many offensive rebounds, they had too many layups, too many dunks. And I think Aiden is clearly the, the leader of that defence. I think he's clearly the anchor in the middle of the paint. Uh, like you said earlier, they're a bit weak on size. Frank Frank Kaminsky's had to play a couple more minutes, which they, they wouldn't really want. But Dario Sarich has gone down with an ACL, so that's kind of all they've got really. So for me, I think Aiton, just defensively, I don't think he needs to do much offensively. He's already averaging what sixteen and thirteen, uh sixteen points thirteen boards, so that's fine. But I think you need to limit the offensive rebounds and be a little bit better defensively in the paint for me, to stop these easy buckets for the Bucks.
1: Yeah, I definitely. We we said the Bucks are a huge team and Aiden is the size that he had a really nice chat with, um, with their coach. I don't know if you've seen the footage. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Monty telling him to stay aggressive and stuff. That was cool. Yeah. Wasn't
1: it? I think that's it. I think he does like for him, his first priority needs to be pushing people out of the paint, getting those boards. And then I think the points will come with that naturally. Um, yeah. So that would be my first priority for Aiden. Just hustle, do the dirty work, um, and everything else will fall into place for him. Certainly, um, I think you you can't talk about the sons of that. Talk about Chris Paul either. I don't think he's really put a foot wrong in any game so far.
0: No, he's been their best player, isn't he? In the series, I think.
1: Yeah, he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. Um, yeah,
0: fifty percent from three at the moment. Seventy-five percent from the line. Fifty-six from two. So. Just ideal, really, for him, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess his uh, free throw percentage could go up slightly, but, you know, it depends how often he's going to the line. Like,
0: Yeah, he's not going a lot, is he? I think he's attempted... So he's attempted eight in the whole series. So what's yeah. that? Two point something a game, isn't it?
1: Yeah. like uh, Last game, went to the line three times, scored two. Puts him at 66%, but it's just because... He didn't go to the line that much. It yes. looked bad on paper, but when you actually think about it, it's not an awful, awful sort of shot right there. Um, and then just kind of what the others can contribute, like your campaigns, your, your Jay Crowders, your Mikael Bridges. I'm expecting them to play their role more than anything. Jay Crowders, there's open threes in the corner and try and tire some of these bucks out. When they are on the offensive end, Jay is defending them because he's a great player. Uh, he can move his feet quite well. He's just a nuisance to play against, I would imagine. Uh, and, and Cam Johnson has been great. Uh, his scoring has been fantastic. Um, they, They're all contributing so, so well. And I think, like I've said before, it's because of someone like Paul and his leadership and coaching these young guys. Where to be um how to move, and sort of where to be defensively as well, it's all coming through his leadership, and it's paying off for them, so uh, I think as long as they stay ready and stay willing, yeah, I mean everything will come for them,
0: yeah, I agree, I think that's definitely the keys um we won't go into any detail, but I think someone like campaign, uh someone who can go off for a big night, he's had a pretty average series so far, so. They'll want a big night from him at some point in, in game four, five or six to see, see how long it goes. But they definitely need a, a bit of a campaign shooting night, which he can, he can definitely offer. But that's our thoughts then on game four. Let's end it with a quick prediction. Uh, I'll kick us off. I think that the Bucks are going to win game four. I think Giannis has another big night. Like I said, I think Middleton... Uh, plays well, like I know that we both no dunks fans uh, in terms of the podcast, and they talk about Middleton as a bit of a roller coaster, which he really is sometimes throughout the whole season, but especially in a playoff series. And I think now maybe he's trending upwards, and we could see that the best of Middleton in game four and five. So I'm going to go with the Bucks win. I don't think it'll be by 20 points. I think it'll be a close one, but I think Middleton and Giannis maybe get it done uh, down the stretch. And tie it up 2 2, going back to Phoenix, which is what I kind of think most neutrals want. I don't think we want a quick series if you're a neutral, but if you're a Suns fan, you want a quick series for sure. Uh, What about you? Game four, what are you predicting?
1: Yeah, I think as a neutral and from a narrative standpoint, it would be nice for the Bucs to get this second win, go back tied 2 2. I think Middleton is also, I agree, I think Middleton's going to have a rig. good game this game i think um giannis is going to be going for another 40 point night just to get three in a row um and drew holiday is going to tri- contribute 15 plus in the scoring um and they're going to have to really hustle on on booker cuz i think he's going to have a slightly better night maybe go kind of point for point with giannis potentially um so I think the Bucs are gonna take this fourth game.
0: Oh, nice sweet. nice two two series where everyone wants, but we'll see. I think the the plan for us as a podcast, but we're not sure what day we'll record, but we'll get one out. I think the plan is definitely after game four, but maybe ideally we try and record after after game five. So we get another couple of games in the bag for us to mm-hmm. to to talk about. Um plans for the future then. Uh, Ben's going to bring back his debate series throughout the offseason where we get a guest on to to debate a topic where Ben either presents his own view or maybe plays devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, And the guest gets to kind of uh, talk about whatever topic it is that they want, which I think is quite interesting. We get a lot of different kind of people wanting to come on. So that would be a good series. Uh, The draft is on July 29th, so we're very close to that. We've got CJ coming back on to do a mock draft with me. Uh, Then we're going to have James Plowright on to talk about some prospects he likes, and then actually talk about some betting odds for the draft, which I think everyone likes. We won people some good money last year with our picks, so hopefully we can do the same again. And then, Ben, August 2nd, it's the time we love. It's the podcast we love. It's free agency, our favorite time of the year. Come on. We love a free agent pod. We do predictions. We do kind of team needs normally. We talk about the, the biggest deals. We do breaking news podcasts as well for big ones for anyone that hasn't followed, so... I think the off season uh, is going to be fun. We'll have loads of pods. We'll get loads of good guests on. I know that Joe Holbert is another guest that's going to come back on. Um, so yeah, we've got loads in the pipeline for for everyone listening. But if there's any guests that people want on or any topics they want, just DM me or Ben on Twitter or contact the podcast at underscore Harvard Hoops. And Ben, it's going to be a good summer, I think.
1: Absolutely, I can't wait. Got a couple of things I want to talk about on the debate, that's for sure. And uh, I. Much like our listeners, probably learn quite a lot about the draft every year, listening <laughs> to so you guys talking about it And just I just hit here and I'm sort of smile away, but yeah, okay. yeah,
0: yeah, and we'll do the draft episode actually. where Ben asked me questions about teams and prospects just because uh, it's nice to flip roles a little bit. And that that episode got some good traction last year, so I think everyone loves the draft, don't they? Especially all the teams that are struggling, it's a, it's a way to improve. So, yes, sir, let's go, Cavs, go, Cavs, pick three again, love it, love it, love that draft lottery, but uh, yeah, so we'll be back either early next week or in the weekend to talk about the finals. Uh, see what other news items we've got. We've got a couple more, I think, uh, Olympic pre-game qualifiers and some some fun kind of friendlies to talk about on that end. Uh, and we'll do an Olympic preview at some point as well. So we're going to talk all things basketball. Uh, ben, thanks again for joining me and everyone, we will speak to you soon.
1: Thanks for having me. Speak soon.
0: Pew, 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 pew.